Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Rounds Recap. Thank you very much for tuning in. I thought seeing as this would be my last rugby episode for quite a substantial amount of time, I'd jam-pack it with as many guests and as much information, as much content as possible. So please feel free to listen away. So I'm joined by three players, uh, Luke McGrath, Brendan Mackin and Andy Ellis. Also was joined by Charlie Morgan, one of my favorite sports journalists uh, who writes for The Telegraph, covers uh, the game of rugby union. And if you haven't checked out any of his articles, I would strongly suggest you do so. And then also I have Rassen 92's attack and backs coach Mike Prendergast on to talk about the state of rugby in France and how he's been getting on in his new job with Rassen as of this season. So without further ado, I will be playing the segment and my chat from me speaking to Luke McGrath. So here it is. Now joined by Luke McGrath. So firstly, thanks a million for coming on the show, Luke. And firstly, how are you holding up in these absolutely bizarre times? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, yeah, go, going well. Probably well as can be, really. Um, like you say, it's a difficult time for everyone at the moment. But um, no, all is well so far. Uh, trying to do a bit of training as much as I can on my own. But yeah, no, all healthy anyway, which is which is the main thing. Yeah, precisely here, here to that. And before kind of I ask about the here and now, so to speak, I just want to chat a little bit about the season that was unfolding <coughs> with Leinster and obviously there was an unbeaten run there and it was yeah. quite a successful period and it was going great for you personally and also along with the team. So like when you kind of view the season now and obviously it's up in the air, no one's quite sure what will happen yeah. and both on and off the pitch. Like, would you be under the impression that no matter how long it takes, you'd be willing to reset the season, continue the season, finish it out? Or would you be more in favor of, listen, if it doesn't work out, we'll just reset, start a new season? But, like, I'm just wondering what type of outcome would you be more yeah. hopeful of seeing? But it's, it's, it's obviously an easy thing, to, like you say, like the season's been going so well from a Lens perspective um, that we would love to, to finish it out if we could. And I, from what I'm hearing, that's that's what people are trying to do at the moment. Um, but what the, the hardest thing for everyone at the moment is no one understands uh, when or how long this is going to be around for or when is the date where everyone can come back training as a group. Um, well, that's what we've been told anyway. So, um, yeah, there's always in the back of your mind, you're kind of saying, oh, it might have to come to just a reset but um i'm sure the games will try and be played in the summer um at some stage if we if we can do that um that would be the ideal scenario but um yeah the the, the if you look at it from the outside it, it is out of our hands so we just got to be ready to accept whatever whatever does come but um i know all the lads would love to finish the season out if possible yeah no, and no doubt a few a few summer evenings in the ODS doesn't sound the worst. Yeah, exactly. But, That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, it would be rather than some of the miserable November <laughs> yeah. evenings some people have to slog through. Exactly. But um, I like I was even thinking back there to, like if you look at it really when rugby was affected by it, it was during the Six Nations and how the French game with Ireland was kind of up in the air till the last minute and then the Italian-England game was going ahead, then it wasn't, and then the Welsh uh, Scottish game as well but like what was how was it communicated to you say at Leinster that listen training's absolutely done there's no matches going ahead for the foreseeable and um, like we are called in we are just 
text one morning? Was it during training? And how did that kind of pan out? Yeah, it was, it was interesting because um, there's a few of us that were kind of during the Six Nations, uh, you know, I, I was in the group where it wasn't actually playing any Six Nations games. So I kind of go back to my province. So I was actually in and out of Leinster and Ireland camp at both of them. So, um, you know, I played that Cheetahs game and then the lads went away to Austria and played, ended up playing the Glasgow game and then went back in for the beginning of what was going to be the uh, the France game. You know, obviously the Italy game had been called off a few days before that. So we uh, we weren't we weren't sure what was going to happen. Um, you know, it took, as the week kind of went on. On the Monday, we, we I think it was called off the kind of Monday afternoon, but Monday we all, or Sunday night when we arrived in, we all had a meeting and said that we better be, you know, prepare, prepare ourselves for an international. That was the main focus. Um, we had a kind of Monday morning as as nothing was changed, but, you know, there was things, people were seeing things on Twitter and uh, Instagram or whatever saying that it could be, it could be off. Um, so... You know, we were told that afternoon, um, um, but we were we were still unsure of the Leinster scenario. So when we did, when we were told that, we all went back to our provinces then on that Thursday of the week, uh, knowing that the France game was off, um, and Leinster were scheduled to go to South Africa that Saturday for two weeks to play the Cheetahs and then the the Kings back to back. And we were, to- we were told that Thursday afternoon then that the South Africa trip was off. Um, and then from then on, we <laughs> we were told to all go home and take what was needed. Uh, we were told that the, the first week was going to be fully off, take it, relax, and then come back in the, the Monday week. So if you like the Kings week to prepare for the Saracens game. Mm. And since then, it's just gone week to week. Um, so that's that's been kind of challenging uh, from not knowing when our kind of next game is. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, I suppose everyone's in the same boat, not knowing what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Mm. And how has that kind of communication continued? Like did, because there's so many elements to a functioning rugby team from coaches all the way down to even people doing rehab or people need yeah. to do certain stuff with S&C. So like, have you been, using your whatsapp groups from coaches to nutritionists to snc have they loaned you any equipment have you been going off um and doing your own stuff with people i've seen people fleece and lifestyle sports and max yeah, sport. yeah. like how, how have you stayed on top of that side of it i got a couple of things from max sports as, uh, as well as half the squad i think but um yeah. no we have uh, like Lens have been brilliant so yeah like you say um, we have a, a few rehab guys who look after the, especially the injured lads it's a difficult time for them at the moment because they obviously need to keep the rehab up so um, they're all in constant contact um, we were able to go in um, on a scheduled day the other day just to pick up weights what we needed um, it's We've been talking through the coaches the whole time. Uh, I think next week, the idea is to go into a bit more of a structured routine because um, that's probably what's killing most lads, that they're just not used to having so much t- time to themselves. Uh, mm. Like Every week we have a schedule that's done from... We know what we're doing every single minute of the day. So um, that's the kind of biggest change for us. So, um, no, like I say, next week we're going into a bit more of a, a structured routine where... Uh, we're given almost times to do uh, a run, for example, in the morning and then a gym session in the afternoon. Um, 
I think that's kind of Monday, Tuesday, day off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So it, it will feel like a bit more of a training week. And like in terms of getting ready for a game, we're actually going back to, more towards a kind of a, almost a pre-season. So that's the idea for the next kind of three or four weeks. And But it's not just like, it's not just the players that are living off the week, week to week. It's it's the management and obviously people people above them here and from the Pro, the pro 14 and... Um, and uh, the Champions Cup, etc. So um, it, it is a difficult time, but we're definitely managing as best we can. And just even for you personally, like as and I don't want to keep stressing it, like everyone is in the same boat in every walk of life, but like especially with say athletes like yourself, where you know when you wake up on Monday morning how your whole week's going to be planned out to a T, and it ultimately ends in maybe a big game or whatever. Like, how have you found some people, maybe maybe the older generation or who maybe have families or kids, they may be like, Jesus, this time off, slightly bit of a blessing, can get their bodies right. Like, how are you finding the break? Are you itching to get back and get a bit of structure, as you mentioned there? Are you enjoying kind of the kind of break from it? Are you ready? Or is it kind of half and half? Yeah, I suppose like everyone, yeah, you've kind of had a few weeks off now, but it, it is... Um, kind of what you're saying there, uh, like lads with families are delighted to spend as much time as they're with their kids as, as much as they can. They probably haven't had the opportunity to do that over the last while with all the constant games, etc. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's it is a nice um, it is a nice break. Like from uh, I was talking to a few lads. Like obviously the the season started really early last year with the World Cup. You know, lads from the World Cup. There's a lot of, uh, come straight back into it as well. Um, so there's been a lot of kind of tired bodies throughout the season. So you have to kind of just try and swing a positive as much as you can on it. Take a bit of time to relax. Like you say, lads who have kids, spend time with families, even try and pick up a few new hobbies. Like just a few lads who have who have tried to kind of pick up a new things like cooking and stuff. Some lads are actually reading books and things like that. So um, <laughs> that's what has been the uh, idea behind it, trying to swing a positive on it while you're at home, trying to get things done that you wouldn't usually do. And uh, yeah, I suppose, I suppose just kind of take it week to week, like I've said, and uh, yeah, see, see what other hobbies you can pick up. Yeah, no, well said. And one of the last things I'd like to ask you, Luke, is just, as I said, some players see this as a pro or a con, this kind of prolonged break. But like looking at yourself, you probably see your best years ahead of you. Like, do you feel that maybe the next month, hopefully. two month period? Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. subjective. <laughs> exactly. But do you feel this, especially because you're in a specialist position being a scrum half, like, do you see this as a, a really good opportunity to say improve on your core skills of say pass and of box kicking because like as I said normally during a season whether it's injury whether it's big games whether it's just the load of training you wouldn't perhaps have that four six eight week period where you can go right I can just work on my fitness work on my S&C and then all my pitch stuff is just going to be geared towards my skills so are you kind of viewing it in that way or as I said earlier are you using it kind of just make sure the body's right, do as I'm told, or do you see this as an opportunity to kind of bring those basic skills up to another level? Yeah, um, probably a little bit of both. Um, I think the rest is definitely important. You know, it's been a a long season so far, and it is important to take that break when we when we do have it here now. Um, like I say, because the plan at the moment is to go through the more or less the whole summer, possibly. So we kind of have to be ready for that. So. It's important to take these few few weeks or or months, uh, kind of a bit of a break um, away from the game. But having said that, yeah, it is. It's like so. Our, the idea from Lens's point of view is to kind of go into a preseason block now and 
preseason block is exactly what you're just saying there. Uh, time, time to you know let the body heal, but also you know increase increase strength in the gym, uh, fitness, uh, running, anything you can get your hands on. And then from a core skill point of view, yeah, passing and kicking as much as I can. I probably have to try and get my hand on or get my hands on uh, a few uh, bit more of equipment for, from a kicking point of view, balls and. Uh, things like that, etc. For the next while, off the coaches, so um, I can get to practice with that. But over the next couple of weeks, it'd be mainly just strength and a fitness point of view, I'd imagine. Cool. And just last thing on us is like there, you're mentioning the kind of provisional plan is in a few weeks' time get back into kind of a preseason mode, and like what you're basically saying there is that if all goes according to plan and as you and I both know, this can change week on week. Like yeah. it would be to continue the season over the summer months and then maybe have a month or two off and then just recess in maybe October, November for the next season. Is that kind of the plan that's kind of ballparked being presented to you at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. You're, like you're hearing loads of different things. So it's quite hard to, kind of be specific with it but um yeah we're definitely hearing that this that this, hopefully the season will finish at some point but you got to understand that we're in a, a situation that we've never been in before so um yeah. it could easily not but um no look hopefully it does but the main thing is the the health of everyone um like you said at the start so um yeah but look we'll, we'll see what happens but um hopefully so, at some stage it can be finished um sooner rather than later Good stuff. And last thing here, Lukey, is I thought I'd just throw together a few kind of quick fire questions just oh, yeah. that are relatable to the current times. Um, there's only three or four. They're not too tough. Okay. They usually are quite tough, but these ones are a bit more lighthearted. So a uh, good one here is the best Netflix recommendation you'd have. I'm at the, um, at the moment I'm watching the Mexican Narcos. Have you seen it? I haven't got around to it now. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. I'm enjoying it so far, so um, that's what I'd recommend. Yeah, no, I was too busy watching The Tiger King. Oh, I have I've only, as of I've only a couple of episodes. I'm watching that as well, so I'll give that, I have to finish that. Yeah, that seems to be the talk of the town for probably all the wrong reasons. Yeah, but exactly. It's entertaining. Um, the most useful app you have currently in these times? Oh, probably Instagram. I'm probably on that the most. Um, looking at everyone doing these 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 challenges and <laughs> throwing up the gym gym stuff. Um, I probably need to put my phone away. To be honest, at the moment, I'm just spending far too much time on it. Yeah, so are we all to be honest. So, what would your because everyone's now pretty much been forced to cook at home because nowhere yeah. else is open. And um, what would your go to dish be from a food perspective? Oh. Um, Maybe a I made a carbonara the other day. I not it was okay. It wasn't too bad. I've made better ones, but uh, that would probably be my meal of choice. Good stuff. And lastly, uh, you actually mentioned this earlier. Is there any hobby or interest you've taken to since this lockdown? Um, I've started to read more. I'm actually in the, in the middle of reading Tyson Fury's book, which is pretty good. So that would be one thing. Good stuff. Well, yeah, no, listen, Luke, that um, wraps it up from my end. So I want to thank you, obviously, for, I would normally say, taking time out of your busy schedule, but your schedule <laughs> nonetheless. Um, and I do appreciate you coming on just to have a chat and uh, give people an update as to how things are going and what we can expect down the line. Cheers, Richie. Thanks for having me. No worries, Luke. And that was my chat with Luke. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Great guy. 
great guy. Very interesting there to kind of hear the eagerness about the season. And obviously with Leinster having the unbeaten run, it'd be, be a real shame if that comes to an end. But time will tell. And next on the show, I sat down with Brendan Mackin. Brendan Mackin obviously played for Leinster, but since then he's played with Gloucester, he's played with Wasp, and now finds himself at London Irish. I had a chat with Brendan, caught up, slagged me about many things, including my nickname. But we also had a chat about how he's dealing with the restrictions put in place in the UK, how he thinks the season's gone. And a bit more. So, so I'm delighted to say I am now joined by Brendan Mackin. So thanks a million for coming on the show, Brendan. And how are you holding up in these weird, weird times? Thanks for having me, Tractor. <laughs> no hassle. I think you're the first guest ever to call me that. So yeah, thanks no, for everything. I was just wondering actually how how you're keeping the tractor well oiled during during COVID. <laughs> um, well, I've, I stocked up before the lockdown. Thank God. Good, 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 good. So uh, but you're you're holding up all right? Yeah, no, yeah, not too bad. Now it's such a it's a bizarre old time. Um, like there's obviously you, you see so many people here, um, and now it's just it's it's eerie how how quiet it is um, on the streets and everything's closed. And like I, I saw one sign, um, I saw one sign today saying uh, due, due due to the global pandemic, the, the prime minister has asked us to close. Hopefully we will be open soon. Um, just to even to read something like that in this day and age is quite scary, really. Mm, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And before we obviously get into the here and now and the pandemic, so to speak, I just want to chat a little bit about the season that was unfolding with London Irish and in the Aviva Prem itself. And obviously the team were doing well. I think you were seven points off fourth place and you were only pretty much about a win off uh, the European spots. So with all that work done and the momentum you were starting to build, results started turning for you as of late as well before the break or the interference happened. Like, are you under the kind of same mold? As I said, I had Luke McGraw and he's kind of desperate to keep the momentum and keep the season going no matter how long it takes. Um, so would you be desperate to finish out the season no matter how long the wait is until we're back to quotation marks normal or normality? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because the fact, I think that the you know the, the club are obviously moving to Brentford next season, um, which is in it's kind of in the in the heart of South West Dublin. Um, so if you can imagine, if you can imagine now, if it was in Ireland, we 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 play in Minute, and it'd be like moving, from, <laughs> it'd be like moving from Minute into Donnybrook. Um, so I think if, if we were able to get ourselves into that top six and have European rugby, um, you know, the Champions Cup, um, you know, back in, in, in Brentford, and it'd be, it'd be fantastic for the club. So, but obviously we're not in that position at the moment. And like you said, um, the momentum was starting to, the wave was starting to get bigger and bigger. And, and I think, you know, I think it, it definitely we're starting we, we've kind of caught a few teams in the hop we had a great win in franklin's gardens um yeah i saw that which which is a tough old place to go and win and we won there and stuff like that and i think the the guys that, that they've brought in the the kind of the global names that they've brought in have started to play some great stuff um you know sakopu kepu the tight head adam coleman in the second row um so we've been we've been obviously very lucky uh, with the squad that's that they've assembled here. Yeah, and obviously there's a bit of kind of Irish 
um, interest in it and that's kind of leading from the top down all the way to the players like yourselves and there's obviously other um, players that would have started off in say Leinster who have moved on and like you've got now like Kidney etc at the helm and like how is that being like with fresh faces like themselves coming in like what sort of impact have they had on the club uh, they've had a brilliant impact really because obviously I think they wanted to bring it back to what London Irish was years and years and years ago, which was a place for Irish people in London and then to, to, to come and feel at home. And then they've kind of, obviously there's so many foreigners that's come in. They've kind of wanted to create that culture then for no matter who you are, or where you're from, it's this kind of um, environment where everyone's welcome. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a kind of, it's a good band. It's a good band of people there. And I think that's one of the great things about London Irish. It's, there's a lot of really good people, um, you know, in the in the coaching staff and medical staff, and you know, b- b- behind the scenes, our our team manager is a you know he's a he's a great guy, and you know he was driving around at midnight there two weeks ago, delivering off what bikes and and um, weights and stuff like that to 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 lads. So boys were able to build little gyms in their houses. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of good people at London Irish. Good stuff, yeah. And I always had that kind of external view of London Irish as being a real traditional club. And once they got the foundations right, it was quite clear that the sky was the limit, especially once prom- promotion was gained. And I suppose it would be sure track not- Get your get your get your hat into the ring. the The London Irish <laughs> wall, the London Irish wild geese is the amateur side. <laughs> Need to get over there. Yeah, involved. They're, they're looking for a, they're looking for a hooker out, uh, a hooker slash slash back row at the moment. I think. Well, listen, I was considering coming out of retirement. So, um, listen, if uh, the pitch is right um, and the vision suits me, you never know. Hundred percent. Look long, play short, says <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And obviously, one of the big talking points this year, and I think it was yeah, just the weekend that was just gone. It was meant to be the European. Obviously, Lance had a big game lined up against Saracens and. Saracens have obviously been subject to a lot of negative press all, all throughout the year with obviously the salary cap breach and all that. And I'm just wondering from your side of the pond, like we kind of had a kind of a, not a lazy view on it, but kind of a neutral view on it. We don't know the full story of it. Did, did you find yourself, because I saw one or two clubs took exception to it and were very vocal about it, but like seeing, say, with London Irish, like were they very outspoken about it? Was there a lot of unhappy people there? Or was it just a case of let's look after our own ship and listen the authorities and the powers that be will, you know, sort out Saracens, we'll worry about our own selves. Yeah, yeah, I think so, really. You know, I think Saracens got almost what, what was coming to them. Um, they obviously got, they've been demoted and they've been fined. Um, but unfortunately, what they were doing, they were doing it for the last couple of years. So therefore, teams mm-hmm. teams are trying to compete with them, um, you know, and by, by trying to compete, they were trying to spend their salary cap, which meant a club wanted to keep a guy but unfortunately, there was there was no room in the cap because um, they'd spent it on 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 bringing in someone on on big dough to effectively try and compete with Saracen. So I think people did lose coaches, lost jobs, and, and players had to move on because there was no room for them in the cap. So um, yeah, but I think you know, I think it just I think from 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 us anyway. I think we were just trying to just trying to keep keep our heads down and and keep working away. I know. Exeter were pretty vocal on it because they obviously would have lost out in, in cup finals and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, what what Saracens did was was it's you know it's not in the it's not in the rules of the game, so therefore they have to be punished and they got their punishment. So I guess just move on from it now and 
get on with it. Um, but that would have been a cra- that would have been a cracking game against uh, against Leinster. Yeah, no, we'll um, see we'll, down the line if that ever takes place. But um, yeah, there was a few uh, sorry souls lurking around the abandoned Kylies on Saturday, kind of scratching at the walls trying to get in. But um, I, know, I know to see Keen Kelleher run. Run down, <laughs> run, run down the right wing and the Aviva would have been the stuff of dreams, wouldn't it? Oh, I know. And then the after party in Searsons. But listen, we, we dare to dream. Absolutely. Just even speaking about, say, f- a few weeks ago, the kind of story that was here was the obviously the Irish and French game. That was the big kind of build-up. Would it happen? Won't it happen? Etc. That gets called off. And then you have England, Italy. Is that going to go ahead? Is it not? And then suddenly... Uh, the coronavirus and the kind of seriousness of the situation kind of dawned on us all and everything got scrapped. But like, how was it communicated to yourself and your fellow teammates that, you know, training the matches would all be postponed until further notice? Like we at the training game, was a gradual kind of information given to you so you're aware? Or was it just a sudden, lads, we're gone, go home, we'll be in touch? Well, well we actually had a... There was a week off. We we we'd no game, and Sale were meant to play Queens in that um in that final, L, in that, in that LV Cup, final. yeah, yeah. And then um, on the Thursday, Premiership football got canned. Um, so once Premiership football got canned, we knew we were going to get. We, we knew we were next, obviously. And then they cancelled Sale and Queens, and then um, we had a training session on the Friday, and then we got the email on the Friday. Friday evening saying um, that was it now suspended until whatever it was the 13th of April um, which will obviously uh, yeah, obviously won't happen then as well so that's how it was kind of communicated to us and like is there any expectations I know there was chance some of the Leinster boys that they were meant to get back into kind of mini groups next week that's obviously been postponed like is there any expectations on when you boys could be expected to be back training or is there even a an outline as to what potentially could be happening because I know with the Pro 14 at the moment they're suggesting that it could go on June, July and August and give them September off and then roll into next season in October like has there any been discussions any discussions like that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure really I know there's a meeting and there's something going to take place I think next week uh, and then we'll know further we'll know further I think at the end of next week um, but yeah the sooner we're back in and Doing bits and pieces to better, really. You know, I've I've been injured since uh, November at my shoulder, um. So it's strange. I'm I'm at home trying to do rehab on that at the moment, um, and I was around two or three weeks away from coming back fit. So, um, I know I'm itching to get back in as soon as possible to try and get ticked off and and back fit again. Hmm, and like, how are you coping with that? Is there a lot of Zoom or Skypes or even house party calls you're having with the physios, or how's that working? Yeah, Zoom exactly. So I'm. It's, it's trying to do an exercise and the trying to do an exercise and, and he's trying to watch it on Zoom and trying to give me give me feedback. It's just it's not the most orthodox way of trying to do your rehab, but um, I think you have to make do um, at the moment. Um, but yeah, so thankfully I'm I'm quite far far down the line with the rehab. So um, yeah, it's just it's it's strange sending videos so constantly going. What do you think of this? What do you think of this? What you think? I think he's getting a bit annoyed now. Peppering them yeah, every getting spammed, yeah. Absolutely. Got a family at home. Some of the other people I've been chatting to may live alone or with, say, a friend of theirs. And, like, do you find that that makes this time a bit bit easier um, as opposed to, say, people who live on their own? Because as you're noted there, say, when you're doing rehab, you're in early, you're home at four or five, you're quite tired. So 
like how have you personally coped with going from training every week, fighting to be involved in match day squads to suddenly stuck home with the fam? Yeah, well, that's where like that's where you did. it's it's you know I think it's great. Um, you know, like my daughter's seven months now, so she's starting to get to that age where where she's starting to engage with you and stuff like that. So yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm loving spending time with the with the with the two girls at home. So um, and obviously time goes pretty quick when there's a when there's a baby at home you need to look after. So and that side of things, I'm really enjoying it. Like it's great. You know, it's it's actually you, there's you can't really beat quality time like that. So. Yeah, no, well said. Listen, Brennan, that more or less wraps it up. I just want to ask you a few coronavirus-themed quick-fire questions. Perfect. Um, if Perfect. that's all right. Absolutely. Um, See if I have any questions for you, actually. Yeah, no, if you have any quick-fire, feel free. Feel free. There's a couple of ropey tweets. You've been, you've, 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 <laughs> you, 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 you seem to you obviously half-cut when you put up those tweets, do you? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, join the queue of the, of the people who are getting rather upset or disagreeing with the content i'm putting out absolutely no they're very they're, t- they're quite funny now to be fair to you it was actually only today that uh, the golfer eddie pepperell was mugging me off when i mentioned that the change in the golf uh would mean that there'd be no open this year and i was saying it'd be great to have an open in november when it's four or five degrees and sure he tweeted me straight away going shirts sure, like that anyway in july absolutely it's annoying enough for you that um, that Liverpool won't won't get the league title now if it's not finished. You'll be whinging away. We'll see. That, that'll, <laughs> we'll see. That'll be ten tweets. We'll say, see. It would. Um, it'd be at least ten. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even a, a thread, so to speak. God Almighty, that's disappointing for you. But these things happen, I guess. <laughs> they do. They do. But we'll see. We'll see. I'll keep that in mind, though, if it does resume when we get there in the end. Good. Um, but, sorry, your best Netflix recommendation right now? Um, Gavin and Stacey, believe it or not. Yeah, it's good. good traditional choice. Back, yeah, started watching it again. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> and I actually haven't said it to him yet, but my brother-in-law is the spit, the spit to James Corden in it, so that's why it's making it a little bit funnier. <laughs> yeah. What is the most useful app on your phone? Um, most useful app on my phone. That's a great question, Tractor. To be fair to you, it's probably the best question. You've, it's the best question you've tried. <laughs> probably has to be WhatsApp, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose. You know, yeah. for, for communicating. And what do you miss most about normal life? Um, I miss just going out for a coffee, going for lunch um seeing you know my mates and being able to, being able to socialize like a nor- like a normal person not feel that it's i'm in some weird bizarre world where this everyone's disappeared and what's your go-to food dish you're on cooking duties what are you going to make well i'm, I'm actually on cooking duties every night tractor i'm a bit of a chef <laughs> believe it or not well mm. let's hear it what's the main one so tonight actually um i did a i did a, i did a salmon um, with a um, garlic and lemon sauce with some um, couscous. It's absolutely delicious now. So it was. Okay, um, well, that was anyone interested, they can DM you for recipes. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Well, the thing is, you got to try and eat well at this stage. Otherwise, otherwise, um, you know, the rig wouldn't be in shape for, for VDL 2021. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And lastly, a hobby or interest you've taken to since the lockdown? Um, hobby or interest I've taken to. I'm actually trying to learn about um, trading, believe it or not. 
Um, I've got a couple of pals of mine who are traders, um, so they're trying to give me some 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 knowledge and stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to upskill myself in in kind of um, life after rugby, I guess. Really, so thinking about what I'd like to do after after playing um, is what I'm is what I'm trying to what I've taken up at the moment. Okay, that's interesting. Well, if I ever uh, down the line need some trading tips, and you're uh, a bird fully molded into a trader, I know who to contact. Yeah, well, you know, a, a bird can't fly on one wing tractor, can they? <laughs> oh, I knew there'd be at least one Eddie O'Sullivan-ism in here. Hey, what you mean? Uh, well, Eddie <laughs> O'Sullivan phrase. Yeah. Oh, he's a good man for his phrases. So come here, are you back down to Portugal this summer, are you? <laughs> to be I, confirmed, to I be heard, confirmed. I heard you're bringing rocks, rock, rock plenties down to the campus. Oh, to the campus for a warm weather training session? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if the funds will be there, but never um, say never. I suppose. What's the story with you actually coaching down rock, being such a big Michael's man? Why did I do it? Yeah, because you are, you are, you are St Michael's College, aren't you? Yeah, St Michael's through and through. Let's just say I don't know. Um, it's good to good to be different every once in a while. We'll make um, no, we'll we'll make no bones about it. You're after you're after end up with man's job, though, aren't you? I'm not. I'm not. He's he's in good stead there. He knows what he's doing, regardless of this year's slight blip. I know. Sure, we lost to um, we lost to the school, which wear the green jerseys. Um, what are they? Yeah, um, I actually forget the name. Forget the name. I can't remember. Yeah. Goons at I remember Goon, playing tennis against them in fifth year, but the name slips me. Yeah, ah, uh, yeah. Oh well, listen, Brendan. That more or less wraps it up. I want to thank you so much for coming on, and I want to wish you and the rest of the fam all the best. Stay safe. Thank you. Tractor. Hopefully, this ends sooner rather than later, and hopefully, Liverpool get back on the pitch quite soon, so um, I can clog up you and a few other people's uh, Twitter feeds in the not too distant future. Perfect. Well, listen here. It was great to talk to you. Make sure you keep the tractor well oiled, and if you need to put it, <laughs> if, if 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 you need a word put in with the London Irish Wild Geese, uh, let me know. <laughs> I will. I'll be in touch, Brendan. Take it easy. Bye-bye. So thanks to Brendan there for um, some of his insights and one or two jabs. Not too too surprised by that, but sure look. Um, but thanks again, Brendan. Thanks a million for coming on. And next up is one of my favorite sports riders, um, let alone rugby riders, uh, Charlie Morgan. I've had him on the podcast several times. Usually when he comes on, we chat our preview, our review, big tournaments, big games. And today it's slightly different circumstances, but... Nonetheless, I really enjoyed the chat I had with Charlie. So I'm now joined by Charlie Morgan from The Telegraph. Thanks for taking time out to come on the show again, Charlie. And first and foremost, how are you getting on during these scary and strange times? No worries at all, mate. Yeah, yeah, fine. Fine, thanks, mate. It's been kind of a lurch from days that are progressive and go really quickly to days that drag and are kind of a bit a bit different, a bit kind of bit more depressing but you know we're all in it mm. first we're saying off air we're all in it for a good cause and you know what we're doing at lockdown is is to get to somewhere where it's all be safe again so yeah no absolutely all right mate overall good stuff good to hear and just to chat a bit about the season a lot of people now are kind of looking forward and looking into the future as when say the current season or next season will start but just focus on what we've actually seen take place from a rugby perspective you obviously had say the world cup which was fascinating in so many ways and perhaps as an irish fan it obviously was one to forget so to speak but then you push forward onto the six nations you saw the kind of resurgence of france which was great to see and then you also then say, if you look in England, you had the salary cap problems with Saracens that seemed to dominate most headlines for the last several weeks. And 
whether it was on or off the pitch, what were, say, some of the trends or stories that kind of stood out to you in the game before COVID-19 put the season on hold? Well, I'd say, I'd say for one, that feels so long ago now, It just because it, it was yeah. such a whirlwind. Sort of, as you say, World Cup, when that's going on, you're obviously completely immersed in it. And I, I had a couple of weeks, I only had a couple of weeks out there at the start of the tournament, but came back and was kind of covering it from a different time zone. So that's kind of, that's quite tiring in itself. And then I think it was a couple of days after the... After the final, we had the had the salary cap, which then shaped a whole load of the season, um, and then kind of a few weeks where we thought Saracens might contest it. They didn't contest it, and then the second um, kind of second deduction came again. So we were sure they were down, and then the next stage of that was the drama about the players' futures, and all of that was going on a sort of just before and then under the backdrop of the of the Six Nations too. So. Um, how England were going to get on with that subplot was really interesting. And actually, I think it kind of underlined Eddie Jones took, um, you know, you mentioned France's resurgence there. I thought they were, I thought they were fairly fortunate, but you, you get that a lot in Six Nations, don't you? If you think of yeah. England's Grand Slam in 2016, they probably didn't hit their, didn't really hit their straps throughout that tournament. They got through a lot of tight games and France were doing that until they got unstuck with, and they were slightly unlucky themselves against Scotland, probably. Um, but yeah, France's resurgence really interesting. England's after after losing to France um, looked fairly steady. Again, maybe mm. two away somewhere in the middle. I think Ireland's first half was totally disastrous at, at Twickenham. Um, England were pretty good, not as maybe not as good as. I mean, they could they could have been further, having said all of that, they could have been further ahead at half time. So tough, really, to kind of take too many conclusions after one a tournament that's curtailed anyway because of the coronavirus but also um, a tournament that's straight after a World Cup so you've got players that are kind of you know you've got horses for courses selections Eddie Jones was kind of some teams totally kind of wiped his slate clean and went totally to the future so France would, be, would have been one of them somewhere in between maybe Ireland and Ireland and England you put in that in that category so yeah it was it was it, as you say fascinating season and it was kind of at the point where we we're trying to kind of piece together the conclusions and figure out what maybe what we could take away from it and then it was all sort of taken away which is a shame and i know we, we'd been talking hadn't we about the Leinster saracens court final that would have just been fa- that yeah. would have been awesome but um yeah wouldn't wasn't to be or not yet anyway yeah no true that especially yeah those knockout stages they would have been something to Witness, but you never know. They may happen down the line. And from chatting to players involved, whether on this podcast or even those that I would know in the Leinster setup, a lot of them seem, and probably they're maybe more suited to it than not having such a successful season on the pitch. But everyone seems to, whenever whenever this kind of gets dealt with, whether it's several months down the line, they don't. No one really has a time frame at this stage of the game, but everyone kind of wants to finish the season. Mm. Whether if you look even in the Premier League and football everyone wants that to get done it seems that it would just go to waste no matter how long it has to take people want to see the season be finished and um, but with all that said and said and kind of put to one side like you yourself like just kind of being an outsider not to say emotionally invested as coaches and players do you think that's a sensible way to go about it or if it say drags on five six seven months just to scrap the season kind of reload and then just start a a new season going forward. You can see, it, can see it two ways. I think I think the importance, kind of commercially, of finishing the season and and hopefully recouping some of the TV money and some of the kind of ticket sales and that sort of thing is so important for these clubs in England that are kind of that are 
that are running at losses as businesses. So there's that to think about. There's how I think um, we had a we had a, a conference call with Bill Sweeney, who's the chief exec of the, of the RFU, and even he kind of admitted that whatever happens, and, and England's and remarkably, England's tour of um, Japan in July hasn't been called off yet. So yeah. you know, so there's that to sort out. There's going to be at whatever point everything happens, there's going to be a bottleneck of fixtures. And if we're talking about player welfare and we're talking about, you know, in the over the last few years, there's been, um, been these guidelines set in, you know, they shouldn't, players shouldn't, I think, the, I think the figure's 32 games. They shouldn't be playing more than that. But it's, you know, if we're hammering two games into a week to finish a season, it feels really, it feels pretty counterproductive and pretty dangerous. And then, you know, what you've got to factor in is there's a, you know, in next summer, there's a Lions tour of the world champions that is going to be, of South Africa, that is going to be um, phenomenal. It's going to thrust kind of, it's going to be really important for the game and you want fresh players for that. So there's there's a lot to weigh up. I'd err on the side of maybe drawing a line under it, I think, and just making sure that next season can be as, can get, get off to as smooth a start as possible. Maybe if they can finish the Six Nations in that free little free slot they've got before the Autumn Internationals, that would be pretty helpful. But as far as the league goes, um, yeah, I would I would be of the kind of I would be of the opinion to just to just uh, knock it on the head. I'd say. Mm, yeah. No. As I said, it's it's really it's whichever perspective you look at it. There tends to be different opinions on it, and I suppose the the million dollar question or answer we'd love to know is just when when this will stop and mm. until we really get that definitive time or date, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. But even as you were saying there with the lines next year and all stuff like that, there is more than just kind of this season to be focusing on there is big picture stuff as well and just speaking of say like COVID-19 and how that's affected everyone like you've been based in the UK obviously from an Irish perspective we seem to be about a week behind what we were seeing saying in Spain or Italy and then started to take effect here but like what was it like in those few days where it kind of took hold there was a kind of different outlook of the herd immunity for a while and then a quick U-turn on that. Like, what was it like being a being in the thick of that for those few days? Yeah, it, it, eerie and quite... Um, it, it felt like a one big kind of episode of Black Mirror, really. Because when you... We've just mm. had, you know, it's against... In the context of we've just had elections where it was so obvious that the side that won these elections had the most... Had the clearest message. And I just felt that kind of... It, the message wasn't clear for whatever reason that was, what, what advice that the, the government was getting. We just didn't have that clarity. So it felt quite almost frustrating from the outside. Um, and actually our business was very, was very proactive. So we were actually kind of encouraged to work from home if we possibly could. And in journalism, with the modern technology we've got, we're lucky to have, that's actually very possible for a lot of roles, mm. certainly editorial roles. So we were at home working from home for, um, I think a couple of weeks prior to the prior to the um, you know the definitive lockdown, so it was kind of a case of seeing uh, public transport slowly empty, hearing stories. My wife coming back from work and saying that oh, we've we've been told we have to maybe keep going in for another week, and you sort of get a little bit concerned about that. Um, but it's slowly been there've been sort of 
some galvanizing experiences in it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm from a family, so there's four of us. Th- I've got a th- the other three are kind of present and um, former NHS employees. So the, the clapping on Thursday night's been really kind of fairly emotional, kind of mm. really proud experience for me. Um, and that's been kind of quite a, quite a cool way to kind of for the country to kind of come together but um it's, it's been strange obviously emotions are kind of very high as well so when you see see video clips and you see pictures of guys off sunbathing um that can frustrate you but then you think you know where are they living are they living in an upstairs flat with with no way to directly access the outdoors so is that the only time they're getting outside at all throughout the day it's, it's tough it's, it's just it's just it's, it's difficult and I guess the only thing you can do is uh, control the controllables as cliche as that sound as, and mm. as you say the the toughest thing is the uncertainty no it is it is as you pointed out there it is very easy for people just to say listen stay at home etc but there's I've read loads of articles just about the less fortunate some people may be cramped up huge family stuck in apartments there's mental health issues as well that have been affected obviously the health issue is the main thing but there's so many kind of other aspects that need to be appreciated but as you said like it's it's just an emotional and weird time for pretty much everyone involved and um, but it is interesting to get the different takes in different areas of the world and just to see how they're kind of using it and how they're like kind of facing it and how the rest of the community's working away at it so and as you said they're having people involved in the health sector must kind of strike us um a bit closer to home than say people not involved but yeah as i said we can only only hope that it's uh, sooner rather than later mm. and like you kind of mentioned in there being able to work from home as i was saying there yeah i've only started working from home this week it's affected many businesses and even here all the pubs shut and that's going to you know really devastate a lot of those pub owners and staff members and that goes further on into other businesses but like with say no live rugby and no coverage to do, like has that given you a chance to maybe look at other aspects of the game you normally wouldn't cover, or have you kind of undertaken other roles that you normally wouldn't have to worry about? Yes, yeah, so a couple of things. So um, first off, there's although there hasn't been a lot of live rugby, there's been a lot of news. So um, you know how players are getting played, what clubs are doing, whether they're um, going onto the government's kind of um, furloughing scheme. It's called. Um, so there's all of that news. There's news of kind of how World Rugby are going to use this this break by potentially, I think we're going to talk about this a bit later, by potentially kind of um, thinking up new revenue models and how they're going to fit in the fixtures and whether the fixtures are cancelled. So there's that side of it. We're also sort of the, the, the whole business, the business is doing an amazing job. You know, it's easy for me to say that, but as far as... Um, pooling its resources so some journalists are moving from sport to news others are moving from sort of say a specialist department in sport say rugby into the kind of into the sport department so um doing editing shifts so i'm doing a few of them and then i've had time a little bit of time to maybe think a bit more laterally and get a bit more um do a few more more in-depth features so i've um managed to chat to a few people who are playing in the tournaments that are playing with this 50-22 law, so Global Rapid Rugby and the NRC in Australia. And then also was um, sort of did another piece on um, the kind of development of players' weights in international rugby. So I got to speak to Ross Tucker, who's a sports scientist, Peter Tierney, who's a sports scientist, and uh, Ross Hamilton, who's a BT Sport analyst. Um, so, yeah, just just kind of that's that's been cool because during the season – um, you, 
may not necessarily get you're very privileged if you get that sort of chance during the season because that'll mean that uh, your other your other kind of colleagues are picking up the slack of the day-to-day news so it is a little bit of an opportunity a little bit of a window in that regard yeah no doubt yeah no it is very interesting and i was only reading that article you posted there about kind of the size and how kind of weight and how the kind of shapes of rugby players over the last 20, 30 years has kind of drastically changed. And I was also even after that, a day after I was listening to an Eddie Jones podcast where he's just basically saying now how the game has just become the average time in play. I think he was saying was something like 30 seconds. So he's just like, you just need the most powerful big men who can just do those short, sharp bursts at the highest level. That's really going to get you to a certain level uh, required to, beat the best teams, which I found rather interesting. And you could definitely tie some of what he was saying into the article you wrote and the stats in that article and vice versa. Um, And I know you're going to touch on it there. Like one of the big things is, you know, when we get back to quote unquote normality, like do you think COVID-19 will have any long lasting implications on the game of rugby in a positive or even a negative way? I think um, we were shaping up in England, certainly to have a really interesting summer as far as, player movement and player contracts so um it's kind of uh, we're at a really strange stage maybe in the english game that the kind of the the valuable the sort of value sorry of england players to their clubs is kind of a little bit under scrutiny because you've got so on one hand um Carl Sinclair's a guy who's come through the ranks at Highland Quinns. He'd be, you know, on paper, one of their prize assets. Um, he's a British lion who's come through their academy. He's one of England's best players. Um, they decided this summer, sorry, early this season, that they couldn't keep him. They didn't want to pay him, um, you know, what he what he felt he deserved. So he's moved He's mm-hmm. moved to Bristol. And then the other side, you've got someone like Johnny May, who's probably, an, again, another one of the first names on England's, England's team sheet at the minute. And he's either facing a pay cut at Leicester or facing a move. And that's because, you know, Leicester don't feel that he's worth his market value. And that's, that's really, that's really interesting. Or they, well, you know, or they don't think he's, his market value is what he thinks it is. Mm. Um, so that was shaping up to be very interesting. And that's kind of, kind of, I guess that's going to be exacerbated because clubs are under pressure with how much money they can devote to, players and how much planning they can do as far as their recruitment you'd hope that um and this was another thing bill sweeney said that he, he was in constant contact with world rugby over this period and you you feel that the way he was saying that that, that isn't always the case so you feel that better communication between you know the, the world's governing body and the unions that's hopefully gonna accelerate kind of the aligning of the global calendar and you know maybe um we might, I know we've seen this story about um, sacking off the Heineken Cup for a World Club Cup, haven't we? I can't. That seemed to be that didn't seem to be particularly well thought through. Um, but you would hope that there was a slightly better aligning, maybe um, making sure that the season when when we do get back to some rugby, that you know everybody's on the same page as much as possible. Yeah, no, I do agree, and uh, like especially even with that club World Cup, it seemed rather rushed and not kind of thought out in the long term kind of viewpoint of things. But sure, that's probably a, a debate for another day. Yeah. But um, that more or less, Charlie, that wraps up most of the the topics I was looking to cover with you today. Oh, and me. just what I'll be doing is just a quick fire kind of coronavirus themed um, questions. 
Um, and then I can let you go and get back to whatever the rest of your day looks <laughs> yeah, like. We'll see. So um, your best Netflix recommendation at the minute? Uh, it's an old one, but QB1. So it follows follows high school quarterbacks in America. I think there's three seasons. Um, and what's quite cool about it now is that the guys that are were in the first season and now I think one of them, Jake Fromm, is in, the, is in this com- upcoming NFL draft. So they're kind of, it's quite good. Like a few of them, you'll be able to hopefully track them throughout the kind of NFL careers as well. But it's just what, mad what goes on in those high schools as well. That's the that's the kind of main, that's why it's fascinating. Okay. That's something I haven't actually seen. So that definitely go on my list. Cool. Um, the most useful app on your phone at the moment. Just what, does WhatsApp count? It's a bit boring. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, there you go. If you could interview one rugby player, dead or alive, who would it be? Carlos Spencer. Good shout. I've been seeing a lot of, lot of yeah, tricks yeah. with him. He's, He's still got it. He has, is not he? <laughs> and what do you miss most about normal life? <laughs> being being outside for uh, less than, sorry, more than an hour, I think. Yeah, it's, it's you better getting cooped up is pretty, um, it's pretty easy to feel cooped up at the minute. Fair enough. I think everyone would agree with that one. And your go-to food dish? Uh, green Tide Curry. Okay. And last but not least, a hobby or an interest you've taken to since the lockdown? Um, I, I, I would say running, but then I got shin splints. So uh, <laughs> Joe, 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 Wicks has been, Joe Wicks has been my saviour. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, yes, and Charlie, that more or less wraps it up. Thanks so much for obviously taking your time out. And the one thing I would say is hopefully down the line when all this settles down and we're back to normal life, um, we can come on in less uncertain circumstances and hopefully chat about proper rugby and proper day-to-day affairs in the rugby world. But uh, thanks for coming on and having a quick chat. That'd be cool, mate. Thanks a lot. Look after yourself. You too. Stay safe. And that was another insightful few nuggets there from Charlie. Hopefully I'll have him on in several months' time to you know review the whole season that just went by and hopefully we can crack a joke or two about um, the current situation. But for now, we must focus on the day-to-day and next up on the podcast is a guy I've actually known now for several years. It started with heading over to Grenoble when Bernard Jackman was coach there. Mike Prendergast was the backs coach there. Since then, he's gone on with several clubs in France. Uh, last year, went over, even visited uh, Stade Francais, in which he was coaching there. He's since moved on to Racing 92, where he's the attacks and backs coach. A great guy, an absolutely superb coach, and you can really see the effect um, him and the rest of the new coaching staff Rasson 92 have had um, as the season went on so it was great to catch up with him and chat a bit about rugby chat about how he's coping in Paris with his family and what he thinks is the best way to resume the season if that's possible so here's I'm our I'm now chat. joined by Mike Prendergast thanks for taking time out to come on the show Mike and how are you keeping these days? Good uh, first of all thanks for having me Richie um, yeah not too bad not too bad we're nearly a month into the lockdown now, um, so I think there's an announcement over the next over the next couple of days to probably, I'd imagine, to extend it. Uh, rumors are apparently up till uh, till the middle of next month, which brings us into the middle of, of May. So um, yeah, look, it's it's we're the same as, as everybody else. We're just keeping our, our head down. Um, problem, I suppose. Look, we're we're in an apartment, which isn't ideal with with kids and stuff, and. The weather at the moment is, is beautiful here. It's 26, 27 degrees, so we're unfortunately stuck in. Uh, there's nowhere to, to get out and run around, but um, 
but look, uh, most important thing is that you you keep safe and, and, and your health is everything. So, uh, so we're just doing everything from that side. And, and my wife is pregnant as well, so we probably have to be a bit more vigilant. And um, and you kind of have to anyway here. You've no choice because it's it's literally lockdown. And even yesterday they changed the the rules a small bit um, in terms of you actually to do any bit of exercise. You can't leave your your house, your apartment between ten o'clock in the morning and seven at night because especially in places like Paris, bigger cities, people, there was a lot of people out jogging and walking and um, out around the parks and stuff. So um, they've actually curtailed that. So, um, yeah, you literally don't get to, to go out unless for necessities, shops, if you have to go to doctor appointments or whatever it may be. So, uh, so yeah, but look, we're, we're, we're getting on with it and getting, getting through it. Mm, that's all one can do, unfortunately, in these weird, weird times. And to kind of go back maybe two weeks or whatever the time length was like what was it like in Paris because we could only see clips from the TV news channels but like when say the lockdown finally took hold because um, it seemed to be quite a, a scary and chaotic city in Paris when the lockdown took place there was people um, coming out saying they were struggling to cope with um, the demand in the hospitals and what was that kind of trans- transition going from normal life, which seems like a million miles away in the past, but to yeah. a sudden like uh, lockdown, so to speak? Yeah, it happened actually very quick. It's actually a month on Tuesday, I think is where Macron came out, the president, and he, he explained what the, the scenario was, that everything was going to be, you know, you had to stay home and it was only for necessities for people that working that needed to, to leave their houses uh, or apartments um, were allowed to do it and obviously you had your your um, your four or five reasons for, for necessities um, and actually when that was as I said that was a month ago on Tuesday and um, it happened it, was, it kicked in I think it was the following day or maybe two days later and um, every time up until now you leave you actually you have to print off a, a form and, and there's four or five different reasons go to the shop, pharmacy, appointment, or whatever, doctor appointment, and you literally have to tick that box to, to explain why why you're leaving. So um, so it, it actually it kicked in very quickly. Um, and as, uh, as I suppose time went on and, and week by week, it was the, you know, the curve was, was, was getting higher and higher and there was, there was, there was more, um, there was more people getting, getting sick here. And obviously, just the size of Paris and uh, and the amount of people that are here and actually at the start you could see it and we could feel it even around us in terms of um, people living in our apartment block and, and close by that we could see a lot of people leaving um, and apparently that a lot of people that, that work in Paris were going uh, were going down south, you know, to, to, to parents that houses or family members that are houses and um, even speaking to Ron Nagara, Ron's done obviously La Rochelle, and he he could feel the influx of people down there, you know. So there was that wave at the start um, of people leaving here. So it kind of, you know, when you're when you're looking at that and you're feeling that, you kind of it is quite quite daunting, and you probably feel a bit further from home in the, in, in these times. Being honest with you, um, but as time, as I said, went went on, and you were looking even two weeks ago, you could see they started because the overloading in the hospitals. Uh, our TGV um, transport here, they started transporting certain patients that were really sick into hospitals outside of Paris because there was just a massive um, overload in the, in the hospitals. So they were transferring to, to hospitals that were, 
you know, had more space down south or into the middle of the country or whatever. And that kind of, yeah, that was frightening. And that was, that kind of really hit home when, when I saw that, you know. But um, um, yeah, it kind of, as I said, it, it happened very quickly. I remember two or three days after the lockdown, his first time leaving the apartment just to go down and go to the shop and get necessities. And um, I live in a place called Boulon, which is usually quite a, quite a vibrant area. And you've, you've plenty going on. And to go down there and just it was it was eerily quiet with uh with people and people wearing masks and whatnot and you go into the shop and it was only three or four people so it was very 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 surreal very different but um yeah we just we we knew we were kind of going to be in this probably for a while and um from day one as we, as we said we just we, we you know limit our 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 um reasons for leaving um, i.e going to shop to get to get your your necessities or as i alluded to earlier my wife's pregnant so we had one or two um appointments with her gynae and it was like uh it was uh, that was up that was about two weeks ago and it was about three weeks into it so uh it was like nearly a little treat to get into the car and, and drive um and we'd a, we'd a good reason for it as well you know so but uh but yeah they've they've you can see it, especially over the last week. They've they've bought into it a lot more in terms of people leaving their 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 houses and stuff. So there wouldn't be much um, many people or footfall outside of on the streets, especially in the last week or two. You know. Yeah. No, and I could say relatively similar things have happened here. At the start, people were kind of not taking it as seriously as maybe we should, and then once it kind of hit home a bit further um the place now as i said i went for a quick walk i live on the n11 which is one of the biggest and busiest roads in dublin mm-hmm. and i was out for about an hour and only saw one car and one human so that kind of shows you how seriously yeah. it's been treated which is good to hear um but to to kind of pull it back a little bit to just say the rugby side of things mike like from a Rasa 92 point of view like just looking at say the season that took place there for several months like you had a a slow enough start in the league if i recall correctly but since then you started playing well you got most of your players back worked your way up to the top three in the league also then finished top of that group that contained the european heavyweights like saracens and munster so up until say covid19 put a halt to proceedings like how were you shaping up how did you feel like you settled in as a coach with Rasen? Yeah, um, thoroughly enjoyed it. To be honest, yeah. um, as you as you said there earlier, we had a slow enough start um, with a lot of guys at the World Cup, naturally. But for a club this this size, it's it's no excuse. Um, I suppose there was a lot of games that that we came up just short last. last I remember losing a lot of games by two or three points. Not a lot of games, but a few games by two or three points with big moments in it. And look. We had because we lost effectively nearly a team to the World Cup. We twelve thirteen at uh, at the World Cup with, with different countries, but um, it was an opportunity. Other side, it was an opportunity to to work with younger younger players. Um, a lot of them being being uh, GIF players, which is French players, um, and I suppose they hadn't been exposed probably as much over the last couple of years to top fourteen, and it was. It was a great opportunity for them, and it was probably a tough one as well because they, they, you know, as I said, we we'd lost we'd lost a few games. We we weren't sitting in the the best spot in, on the league and whatnot. And internationals came back, and um, you know, I suppose we went on a bit of a run. Fortunately, there was a lot of quality that came back into the team. But the good thing was for those lads at the start of the season that I noticed um, to get that experience um, and that tough experience. It's something they probably you know, will help them grow. And you could see it even in games that 
some of the, those players were, were, were starting or, or, you know, on the bench, coming on, um, playing with them more, I suppose, experienced guys, the international players, and, um, and we're winning games. So it gave them, I suppose, uh, I suppose good appreciation for, for it as well, because as I said, it was, it was tough. Um, and especially the, I suppose, in the manner of which we lost games, you know, we were losing games by, as I said, two points, three points, which was which was tough to, to swallow. But it's something that I felt, especially because it's all well and good having your internationals come back. You need a squad of, as you know, in, in the, especially in this league, you need a squad of 40 players. And, and, you know, those players that played in those games at the start, I think it was something that stood to them in the, in the second part of the season from... from just before Christmas, up to up to until this kicked in, um, and look, we'd been on a very good run. I think it was uh, 15 games. We'd won 12, with uh, a draw and two losses in the last 15 games. So it was a very. Um, we were in form. We were third in in the league, and we were through to a quarter final of, of the Champions Cup. So it was a huge amount to look forward to, you know. Um, Unfortunately, that came to a, 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 a we're not going on any. As for now, where the league is on hold, whether it'll go be played in a later date in another month or two, I'm, I'm not sure. There's a lot of discussions going on, but but yeah, look, a, a terribly enjoyable season from, as I said, a, a tricky enough start, but um, a very good, I suppose, what maybe around the end of October, start of November, and we got into a real you know, um, rich vein of form and, and won a lot of games. Mm. And yeah, as you were mentioning there, just with kind of the momentum that was built up and I'd say even hypothetically speaking with say some of the internationals, I say if they were to come back after a completed Six Nations, it seemed like the national team had been rejuvenated. So just with regards to, I know it's kind of hypothetically speaking here, but say when I was speaking to Luke McGrath, he was saying that he would just he would love nothing more than just this season to be completed, no matter how long it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, Brendan Macken of London Irish was saying the same. It's just like all the work needs to be somewhat rewarded, no matter how it affects next season. I know you said there's meetings taking place, and it seems to be nearly every week, whether it's government or even sports related. Mm-hmm. But like from your point of view as a coach. Like, would you be happy to resume the season no matter how long it takes before this is cleared up? Or if it goes over a certain period, would you be happy just to say, listen, let's do a pre-season and just start a new season? Yeah, you'd, you'd love to finish it, but it has to be for, for the right reasons. You know, you don't want to put any any player, any person in, in any danger as well, you know. But the, the, the government bodies are there for that to make those decisions. We listen to to what they have to come back with. There has been a few rumblings, a few suggestions as well that potentially... With the top 14, I'm not too sure with the Champions Cup, um, but with the top 14, that potentially they might, if if you know this, if we do go ahead with it, that they might, um, there could be two groups. So you'd have a top eight that would play um, basically to win the league, and you'd have a, you'd have bottom six to to fight to 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 stay up and have a two little mini leagues play them out over I don't know is it four weekends or whatever, um, but obviously. Um, before that, you'd need a, probably a three to four week window because it's it's not it's different to other sports because of the contact, and that's something that speaking to other coaches and stuff as well. And if if it is to happen, that players will need that that window, not just from a conditioning point of view or a skills point of view, but more so from a contact body on body, you know, to get back to that. Because if not, there could be 
obviously there's there's wrist injury and whatnot. But um, so yeah, so there 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 is that suggestion out there that you know depending how long this goes on for, if there is, and our I suppose on the other side of things, um, our our league, the, the top fourteen final. The actual date is set for the 18th of July, so there is that still a bit of a window, you know, in, in terms of if they do break it up to uh, two leagues, with, as I said, the, the, the top eight and the uh, the bottom six, that there is that that window that you potentially do like a mini pre-season and then you go into the competition with the with the um, the Champions Cup. Again, I'm not sure. Again, it just depends on how long it goes in. I, I saw something there during the week that Matt Williams said and a kind of uh, struck a chord, I suppose, in terms of for the Champions Cup, because you've quarterfinal, semi-final and final, you could actually play it out over two weeks. When you think of it, 14 days, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. But again, um, if that window um, presents itself and it's all about, you know, if it's the right thing to do, if not, if there's if there's a, you know, a danger to this, uh, it's not going to happen, you know. So um, as of as of now, it's very much up in the air, but there's all these provisions being put in place um, and we just got to see. I think the next two, three weeks will obviously tell an awful lot, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. And that kind of uncertainty, whether you're a coach or even speaking to journalists or even some of my friends are involved with Lancer and other pro setups, some are taking it better than others. Some are viewing it as an opportunity just to nearly upskill, get better at the basics. But from like a coaching point of view, like you're now faced several weeks off, a big extended mm-hmm. break from the game. Like if you kind of looked at it as a, a chance to review your systems top to bottom and upscale on what other teams are doing and attack or say defense, or if you kind of use it as another holiday where you just take a breather, spend time with the family and relax. I suppose the whole thing is just trying to get a balance because you're you're stuck you're stuck in you know but uh, it it is an opportunity I suppose to do stuff maybe that you you didn't you wouldn't get a chance to do in season when you're working in terms of. Um, you know, I've caught up with a good few coaches, which is a good thing. A lot of uh, attack coaches, and I will, I've, uh, I will do it over the next week or two as well, um, which is great. And you're just sharing ideas and you know different different philosophies and different ways of doing things, or you know teams playing different shapes and whatnot. So I've had a couple of conversations with different coaches, like Mike Blair was on last week, Felix Jones, a couple of these guys. So and um, that was great to do. And you probably in season you don't get as much. Um, opportunities to do things like that and even small things like podcasts listening to the likes of Stuart Lancaster and stuff again that I wouldn't get a huge amount of opportunities to do it um, and there's lovely little nuggets and little ideas that you pick up from, from that as well you know and we're still look our recruitment is blocked at the moment but you're obviously still uh, when it does uh, kick start again we don't have a huge we won't have a huge turnover but there still is potentially one or two players that, or one or two positions that we might be bringing in. So I'm doing a bit of work on, on that side as well. Um, and looking at, at games, more not as much as our own games, but more other games. Even on BT, there's a couple of games that uh, they've been showing going back two or three years ago um, from the Premiership and stuff. And just looking at the way the game has evolved or, you know, or, or certain shapes have stayed the same and uh, little patterns you'd look at. So, uh, so those kind of, Areas are interesting. I'm, I'm. Uh, I suppose from a personal point of view, then you get time to spend time, more time. I suppose with, with the family of, I've two girls, so I get good quality time with them and, and with my wife. And um, yeah, and I've started just a bit of online uh, French, just to improve my uh, my uh, my French as well, my my Limerick accent French. So um, 
I've been doing a, a one-on-one Skype call, just conversation, because you, you'd be surprised when you're when you're when you're not in the environment, you can not lose it quickly, but um, you know you can you can forget bits and pieces. So uh, and we do a Zoom call once or twice a week with the staff as well. So um, between the you know bits and bobs and a little bit of training at home as well. That's just from a personal point of view, but I suppose from um, from a work point of view or from a, a development point of view, yeah, there is little areas and there's little nuggets that you can you can uh, tip into and as I said make contact with people that that I would know over the years from, from coaching and stuff and um, and you're just yeah you're getting an opportunity to to pick their brains and, and, and likewise yours and, and share ideas and it's great that there, people are like that these days you know that that close that, that I suppose close personality of people trying to keep things because look most coaches will tell you that um, you could go and you could spend time at a club, and I always said I always have this uh, in my head when you when you spend time at a club, and I've done it a few times. Shadowed like you came over, I remember Richie to Grenoble that time a couple of years yeah. ago. And you, you'll see certain stuff on 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 the pitch or whatever, but the best time is actually sitting down with a coach one on one and having that conversation, you know. And um, I suppose at the moment I'm getting those opportunities to 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 do that through Skype calling or FaceTime or whatever it may be. Yeah, no, definitely it is, uh, as you rightfully pointed out, that face-to-face dialogue, as mm-hmm. I found out in that little cafe in Paris with yourself and uh, Paulie last year over yeah, across yeah. on. But um, that mainly covers uh, the vast majority of stuff I wanted to chat about today, Mike, and I want to thank you for that. But just to finish it, I normally just do a quick-fire question uh, round. No problem. It's nothing too challenging or incriminating, so don't worry. Some people mm-hmm. getting a sweat about it, but um, if you're ready, we can get cracking on that. Yeah, perfect. So, your best Netflix or TV recommendation right now? Uh, at the moment, Ozark. Very good. Season three? Are you on that? Se- or are you just starting? Season two, but I hear three is even better, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm on season two as well, so I'm just going to have to sit it out and get there, get there quick. Exactly. Um, the most useful app on your phone? WhatsApp. If you could coach one player who's retired, who'd it be and why? Ooh, question. Um, coach one player who's retired. Yeah. Uh, um, bum, 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 bum. Jeez, that's a good question. Um, sorry, Brian O'Driscoll. Brian O'Driscoll. Yeah, good yeah. shout. Good shout. Don't think anyone would argue with that. Yeah, just from a point of view of everything in the game, you know, he, he, he did everything well. Defensively, attack, you know, you name it, he, he, he did it well. Brilliantly well. And one rule in rugby that you'd change? Um, I suppose areas, just as certain things around the rock, which obviously where rugby's looking into at the moment. Um, and I think it will probably speed up the game and... It'll enhance our, our great game. So, yeah, it would be just certain areas around, areas around the rock. And your go-to food dish? Um, go-to food dish would be carbonara. The reason being is it's the only, only thing I probably think I can cook. I'm actually a terrible cook. My wife does most or, or we eat out a bit, being, living in Paris. But uh, when they go home for, uh, for the summer, which my wife and my girls do, I'm here on my own. So... I eat out a good bit when I do cook it's carbonara because purely it's the only thing I can do fair enough and lastly and I know you mentioned podcasts and stuff like that but a hobby or interest you've taken to since the lockdown 
Um, I suppose, yeah, listening to, listening to podcasts is something I probably didn't do before. Um, and there's a lot of learnings in some of them. Um, and I actually I've started to really enjoy them. So it's been a nice little, uh, little niche that I've found. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, Mike, that pretty much wraps it up from my end. So, listen, I want to thank you for taking um, time out of your schedule. And um, listen, as I said to everyone who I've spoken to, hopefully this gets resolved and sorts itself out sooner rather than later. Excellent, Richie. Thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. Good to chat. Oh, awesome. It was great chatting with Mike and catching up. And I wish him and the rest of his family all the best. And last but not least, I had a great opportunity to speak with all black Kabelko Steeler and technically barbarian player Andy Ellis, who's won a World Cup. He's, you know, played hundreds of professional games, uh, played for the Crusaders for several years and has recently, well, not recently, in the last several years, has spent his time with Kabelko Steelers, coached by uh, an old sword, Dave Dillon. I caught up with him, chatted a bit about the Japanese season. There was also chat that he'd retired from the game. I wanted to clarify that, if that was the case. What are his plans going forward? And when he looks back on his career, does he have any regrets? Does he look back with pride? And we just had a good down-to-earth chat and then a few quick-fire questions as well. So enjoy it. How it affected, obviously, the league in Japan and how it looks over as well. You're back in New Zealand now, yeah? Yeah, um, you know, it was all a little bit crazy. So... It was just one day. Like we we went to training, and then we got a message that night saying, um, you know, potentially the game in the weekend. This was on a Tuesday night. Potentially the game in the weekend could could be postponed. And we were thinking, what? And and because of coronavirus, and and it um, sort of just spread quite quickly. And news came out quite quickly. Um, and yeah, and sure enough, on the Thursday they they postponed that game, and then um, you know then they postponed a couple more weeks, and then. Our club said to us, "Oh, brother, boys, you can go home, uh, you know, for a couple of weeks, and then and then come back when we're when we're ready to go again." And so we did. And while we were home, things escalated pretty quickly, as we all know now. And uh, sort of one thing led to another, and the, the um, tournament is <laughs> cancelled. So from 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 going, you know, finishing up the training on Tuesday to to um, you know having a wet one weekend. Uh, postponed to, to three weekends and then um, it all being over it all happened really quickly and now I'm sitting at home in isolation in New Zealand <laughs> yeah twiddling your thumbs yeah like like we're really everywhere just it it seemed just to gather momentum so quickly and no matter really where you were if you were a part of one of the affected countries it just as you rightfully said like it just went in the case of 24 48 hours things changed dramatically and like say when you got back home to New Zealand like even all the way here in Ireland like there's a good bit of media coverage and a lot of people are praising how they've dealt with it and I think even at the moment it, there's only one recorded death so far um, which is tremendous work all round like what like what does it look like um, in New Zealand at the moment say um, just from a day to day basis is everyone completely in lockdown or is there kind of a mix or how does it look from your end yeah yeah, like you, you kind of feel like the people of New Zealand really bought into it. Um, our, our prime minister stood up um, and said, "Look, the only way we can really stop this is to um, not do much at all, um, self-isolate. And um, if we're serious about trying to save the lives of others, and for a lot of us, it's not going to affect us, but we're going to be able to carry it and pass it on to people that it will. 
if we really care about um, the older people and, and those that um, have got, you know, medical conditions, if we really care about them, then stay home and show that you care. And so it was a really strong, powerful message, and it's been reiterated every day since. So there's a real sense of pride in a lot of Kiwis that, um, you know, we are doing our bit because it would be so easy to try and sneak out for a surf or, um, you know, uh, you know, pop out and do what you're not supposed to do. Um, but everyone's kind of all in it together. And, you know, we're, we're only a country of 5 million people, so it helps that we can kind of almost keep each other um, accountable in a little bit for, for, for acting the right way. So it's, it's been nice to see the whole country get right in behind it and back it. And, um, you know, we're starting to see that, that curve sort of, sort of go back the other way now, which, is, which proves all this... Um, the sacrifice has been worth it yeah no for sure and just to give you a bit of a perspective on what say happened here in ireland was kind of tentatively took steps towards a lockdown people were advised stay at home and typically you had bars packed and like people were just being quite irresponsible and it kind of took the government to really force their hand to really stamp down uh, forcing pubs to close, public places, restaurants to close before people really reacted and understood the scale of it. So it is admirable that, you know, those type of steps uh, didn't seem to be necessary um, over in New Zealand. And that, as you said, is probably one of the defining factors as to why there's been so um, few affected by it um, critically. So it is, um, it is admirable to see um, across all the way. Um, and then just yeah, like, we, we, uh, yeah, go on. I think it, I think it helps. I think it helps. I think it helps. We were um, it was, was really clear and obvious what we were and weren't allowed to do. You know, straight away people would ask, you know, are we allowed to then drive to the beach and go for a walk. You know, if we just stay in our little bubble of of people, not not you know, see anyone else, and it was just made clear, no, you can't. Um, you know, because there's a lot of grey area with this sort of thing. You know, the the, the like we were asked to stay in a little unit or a bubble, we've been calling it, and not be within sort of 30 metres of anyone else at any any other time, even a supermarket shopping. So um, to make it really clear that, no, you can't go, um, you know, driving somewhere to do something, um, even if you're in your bubble, you're not allowed to do that. So that, that helped, you know, I have it. No, for sure. Completely agree with that. And it was it was said there over the last few days, and I've, I've chatted to multiple amounts of, you know, players, um, whether I know them personally or on the podcast or journalists or even coaches, like with yourself, the abrupt end of the season, um, the was chat that you've maybe been considering officially retiring from the game. Like, is that something that you're weighing up at the minute? Um, or, like, where do you sit? Because, as I said, it was an abrupt end to the season. And as you were saying there, like, it is it is a lot to take in in such a short uh, space of time, both on and off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in some ways, it's quite nice just to be able to be forced to be at home. Um, and I, I can now have a really good think over the next kind of three to six months, really. You know, I'll stay fit and I, I still really love um, playing. Um, I, I can have a really good think and just reassess, you know, what I want at the end of that six months. And if that's to, to carry on, then I, I can look at some opportunities. But, you know, if I want to move on to other other stuff back home, then I can I can kind of get stuck into that too. So it's, in some ways, this, uh, sort of a, this force break will be a good way for me to kind of figure out what is going to be next. Um, so uh, I'm trying to take a positive out of not being able to play at the moment, but that, that certainly is one, you know. I'm still getting paid from, from my club, so we're really fortunate that, in that respect, you know, so... And just take it, take time, and just figure out what what's next for me. 
Yeah, no, like that's that's one of the things I always found interesting with players who do decide to retire or even when coaches stop coaching, they always say in the first six to 12 months, that's when they really kind of miss it or they really try to find something that can replicate it or at least fill the void somewhat. And the fact that you have obviously not the most ideal of circumstances with and the coronavirus taking effect, as you rightfully pointed out there, though, it does give you that time to you know, have a deep think about it, spend time with the family, see your friends and just weigh up that option rather than kind of rushing into, you know, staying playing rugby or not. So I definitely think that will stand to you and other people who may be on the fence with relation to their future. So it could prove to be a, a minor positive out of obviously an overall negative situation. But I suppose just to follow up on that point you were making there, like when you say look back on your career um, whether you were to retire or not, um, like you've obviously won World Cups, you've captained Barbarian sides and played over, you know, hundreds of games at pro level. Like immediately when you think about it now, is there just overwhelming pride when you look back on it, or is there still one or two things that you're like, you know what, maybe I wouldn't mind kind of having one last crack and right one of the wrongs um, over the space of your career. Mate, I'm. I'm- I'm so at peace with my my rugby career. I'm so fortunate. I don't, um, you know, I, I realise to be able to play you know professional sport for 15 or 16 years, um, especially a game like rugby, which is quite physical. Um, you know, I, I realise how fortunate I've been to be able to do what I love, and you know, I've, I've also been really lucky with being at just the two clubs. Um, you know, the Crusaders for over 10 years, and now um, Kobe in Japan for the past six years so two two clubs that are um you know I, I really love and i'm 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 passionate about and that really looked after me it's it's nice to be able to say you know just been at the two clubs um and i've just only got fond memories of my my time playing rugby and probably the big one the biggest one for me is the people you know the people i met the 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 boys that i've um and the, and the girls you know that i've made lifelong friends with you know and when you go out on the on the rugby field, you really do, you know, in a lot of ways go out to battle and you've got to, got to have each other's back and it's got to be a lot of trust in each other and you form really strong bonds and friendships that, that do last a long time. So, um, you know, to take away a lot of those is, is pretty cool. And, you know, I've been so so fortunate too that the clubs and the teams I've been involved with are, are world-class teams, you know, won a lot of, won a lot of um, titles in the different teams I've been in and, um I, I do just I think back I reflect and I just I, I've had I've been very fortunate to have um, great leadership at a, at, a, at a high level um, great coaching um, governance and you know it, it goes a long way to, to be able to you know to really enjoy that time that I played yeah no well said and I, I, do, I, do have, I suppose the, I suppose the only thing is I was quite looking forward to a game um, going to be playing for the Barbarians on the 21st of June this year and it was against England at Twickenham, and uh, we did have a few more mates playing. It was going to be Kieran Reader. He's lined up. Ryan Crotty, Dan Carter. We were, we were all uh, hoping to play in there together, and um, would have been pretty awesome to play England and um, you know try stuff at Twickenham in front of a sellout. That would have been great. No, no doubt. Like the the home of rugby, as it's called. As you said, like many people say, you never know with these things. Could it get rescheduled? We'll have to wait and see on that front. And I suppose the last thing I'd like to ask you. With regards to, like, there's obviously so many things you could pinpoint in your career and have a chat about, but you say, like, you moved several years ago over to Japan, and obviously now 
with um, when Eddie Jones took over several years ago he kind of rejuvenated the place and really brought it to new heights and now obviously with the club game you've got world class Australians world class New Zealanders going over to play their rugby some people even go over there when they're arguably in their prime of their career and I just like like to put that into a question like how how much has that Japanese league grown since your time starting there because what it is now to what it was probably when you moved over it's come on leaps and bounds yeah it has I mean one of the key things there is um, to, the, the changing the rules to allow more foreigners to play so at the moment now we're allowed five foreigners on the field uh, when I first went over we were only allowed two um, so and and that's a great thing. Like the rugby's great. Um, it, you know, we're, we're actually able to upskill the Japanese guys more. You know, the more of us are out there, so it is a good thing for the for the game. Um, and also, there's really good, very very high standard of coaching going on over there too. There's a lot of the world's best coaches. You know, we've got um, at our club. You know, Wayne Smith, our director of rugby. And we've got Dave Dillon, um, who you know well as a, as a head coach. Um, you've got Robbie Deans over there and Steve Hansen there. Um, Jake White, um, Alistair Kutsia, like right across is very, very good coaching, um, and that grows the Japanese guys too. So you see, you probably see the results, you know, in, in the World Cup, um, you know, in the Japan World Cup, how well the Japanese team did, um, and you know, being coached by Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown, um, they're just getting better and better. So yeah, it's grown big time since my time there. Um, probably one of the things I found. Um, most when I left New Zealand rugby and went over to Japan is, and this might sound strange, but I really just fell in love with the game again. I really fell in love with rugby. We we played a lot of afternoon games in New Zealand. All our games are, are at night, um, so we play a lot of um, afternoon games. You know, one o'clock, two o'clock. Some games at eleven o'clock in the morning. So um, yeah, it was just a really nice feeling. You get up, get your pack your bags, and go to go and play a game game of footy. And uh, no, there, there weren't massive crowds either. There's not a lot of pressure. Through, through media or sponsorship or anything. The teams are all owned by the companies themselves, so there's, there's not a lot of promotional work or anything like that required from you. So you just actually get to go and play rugby because just love it again. And then afterwards, you know, enjoy a beer and, and a barbecue and, and those sort of memories from when I was a little bit younger playing club rugby, you know, um, or at uni. It was, it's, it was really nice. And it, one of the reasons probably I was able to push through to, you know, my mid-30s is I just still really love it and I really enjoy you know that side of it coming from New Zealand, where it's kind of it's everything. You know, you lose a game, a game. You know, in the weekend, you best not go to the supermarket for three that week. You yeah. know, <laughs> precisely. Yeah, and no, that's a it's a fair point. And Dave, Dave, when he was actually on the podcast, did kind of stress at that time that you know it's really one of the things he loves to focus on, whether it's with the team or just in general, is just actually just enjoying the game and it sounds so cliched but as you rightfully pointed out when you're in the likes well even in Ireland you look especially though like England and New Zealand that is you have to win every single game whereas as you said you best not be going down to your local supermarket or face um, a few cranky people in the aisles so it is it is yeah. a, it is a valid point to take on board because ultimately at the at the end of the day you want to li- love what you're doing and it's great to hear that as you're saying through your mid thirties you still have that that love and that desire for the game but yeah absolutely yeah and just with that Andy that more or less like wraps up the main part of the chat here with you but what I normally do is just finish off with a few quick fire questions um nothing too oh, yeah. nothing well, too yeah. testing nothing too incriminating. <laughs> but um, yeah, the first thing that pops into your head, feel free to to shout it out. 
So your best Netflix or TV recommendation? Uh, Tiger King. <laughs> I think that's everyone's at the moment. <laughs> He's crazy, that guy. Oh, gee. Well, the whole the whole cast seems to be completely crazy. At the end of every episode, I was just <laughs> found myself being like, Who, "Who's this now? Who's this crazy person coming into the story?" <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was entertaining nonetheless. So, the best player you have ever faced on a rugby pitch? George Smith. Good shout. Good shout. One of the best to ever do it. And if you could play with one out half who you never got the chance to play with, who'd it be and why? Maybe Bowden Barrett. Keep it homegrown. Yeah, I never got to play with him. Your go-to food dish. So if you have to cook, what's, what are you going to be cooking? Oh, man. Good kiwi, good kiwi roast on a Sunday. And a hobby or interest you've taken to since the lockdown. Um, soccer I've been playing a lot of soccer with my wee fella in fact it's pretty much all I do every day so practicing the uh, the touch the one twos <laughs> yeah pretty much mate yeah, I've got a couple of blow up goals and she's all gay from first thing in the morning till late at night great stuff well listen Andy that, that more or less wraps it up and first and foremost I want to wish you and uh, the rest of your family all the best and to stay safe and then with relation to the career whether it's going to continue or not um you know i just want to say you've you've had a, a good innings thus far and whether it's the end or not and um, want to congratulate you nonetheless yeah thanks mate and um you, you too eh? so stay safe and um and healthy and same same to all your listeners too mate yeah fingers crossed and that is that thank you very much for listening i know it's a lot longer than usual but i thought seeing that we really don't have a lot to do and we don't really have any commitments or schedules these days. I thought I'd jam pack it with uh, guests with interests and interesting perspectives on the game, uh, whether that's coaching, playing, or even from a writer's point of view. So let me know how you thought it went. As I said, I do have a Patreon account. So if you feel like supporting the podcast, whether you want to donate 92 cents a month, 5 euro, 10 euro, it's completely up to you. Um, there's donations for all. And need and support level so to speak but uh, i want to thank all the guests for coming on it was great to catch up with some of them and yeah everyone i know it's a it's a pretty crappy time for everyone involved and as you can see here from the guests coming on we're on the same boat but we will get through this eventually and i don't want to sound like an inspirational guy uh, vlogging on a youtube video but stay safe uh, keep in touch with your friends and family and i look forward to as i said doing podcasts in the future where we can look back and this will be a distant memory and let's hold on to that thought because i've no doubt that better times await thank you very much for listening take care bye bye